But we are doing uh, this Primal Book Series in, in conjunction with our series kicking off the beginning of the year here in 2021. And we're talking about being the humane race. And I'm going to read our uh, opening statements. We've read that the last two weeks, and I'm sure that you know what uh, we're doing here in being humane and how that we want to be a church that's humane in our approach to how we talk with each other and how we talk with those in society and how we reason together. It all says, come let us reason together. We need to be open-minded. Amen? We need to be open-hearted where that we allow our heart to be open because whenever we open up to others and hear their thoughts, and hear what their take is on what Scripture teaches, we become stronger when we listen. Amen? We are living in an opinionated society. And everybody's opinion is paramount, and it matters more than everybody else's. And I truly believe that that's what's wrong with the society we're living in. We need to back up a minute and say, I'm going to open my ears, I'm going to open my eyes, and I'm going to listen for a little bit, and I'm going to hear what's happening. So in being humane, I believe we have to listen. I believe it's very important. Uh, we're reading the scripture, and I want to continue reading that today. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, for our uh, context of this scripture for this sermon series uh, known as the humane race. Because Jesus wants us to be Christians and be humane as Christians. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9, it said, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and giving honor and preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Everybody say patient. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saint, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil, having regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, I love that part, as much as it depends on you, because a lot of things are dependent on you. And it says, live peaceably with all men. Hmm. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For as written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. I think the world needs to hear that. Amen. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap coals of fire on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I believe where that it says there, some people have used that uh, last verse that we read there in verse 20 to say, you know, whenever we do good to those that oppress us or persecute us, that we heap coals of fire on their head. And actually what we're thinking in our evil minds that we're living here with this carnal mind is, I want them to burn, amen, burn. But actually, I believe that coals of fire is representation of the fire of God. How many would like to see your enemies turn into Christians? 
Amen. How many would like to see the world's enemies turn into being Christian and humane in their approach to society? So whenever those coals of fire is pressed on their head, I don't think it's talking about they're burning in hell. I think it's about a change is coming in their life. Amen. Because when Christians represent Jesus and we're humble and we're meek and we're mild and we're gracious to others that as enemies of us, we will show them the side of Jesus that they need to see. Amen. So whenever we see those coals of fire, don't think. It's the devil standing up there doing a tap dance on top of their head. We take verses out of context because we read it through our lens to make it be what we want it to be. How many knows Jesus can change our minds if we'll open our hearts and open our ears? So we, we started out in week one um, looking at... Uh, this primal series and we talked about having synergy and dialogue and we talked about that because I wanted us to begin this process of the primal book series and the humane race sermon series that where that we would be uh, create a, a, a atmosphere for God to use us together in a whole as a mass so that we could hear what others take is on reading through this book study and listening to these sermons because when we have dialogue it's actually where we have communication back and forth. And I believe that communication breakdown is one of the key faults of the church as a whole. So in beginning 2021, I don't want us to have uh, communication that doesn't work. I want us to have communication that works. And if God's going to give us synergy where the, the, the whatever one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, if that kind of compounding interest, if you want to call it that, on the things of God whenever the church joins together in unison and how beautiful it is whenever uni unity comes to the church and it talks about the oil flowing down Aaron's beard and all those things. Unity is synergy. And when synergy happens, it causes change that one cannot do alone. Because there are some things in this life that God causes you to face that he does not want you to do alone. It'd be a good place for an amen. I know you're all independent and you're all, you know, closed-minded and want to do things your own way and you're not going to listen to God and you're not going to listen to your preacher and you're not going to read that book by Mark Batterson and you're not going to go to those stupid connection groups and you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. Guess what? You're not going to do anything. But the second we say, okay, I'm going to take my way out of this and I'm going to do it his way, I promise you this. If you get in connection with another Christian and you begin to agree on the word of God and you begin to apply it to your life, I promise you this, that transformation is going to begin to happen. We're going to see miracles. Amen. We'll see miracles when we get in synergy through the word of God, that I don't have to do it alone, that God can use others, and he can put us all together in this uh, symbolic thing known as the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. And great things can happen when we'll listen. So, We've talked about that synergy and, and that, and, and we need a dialogue. And then last week we talked about fear and how that we face fear head on through faith. And whenever you apply faith and do away with your fears, you'll live a life that's a lot less traumatic. I'm sick of fear. Amen? I'm sick of fear. I'm tired of it. I don't want to live in it. I've watched people all around my life 
And I talked about my weaknesses of darkness and, and, and being scared of the dark and all these things. Fear is what does that. It paralyzes you. I loved it last night. Dusty and Albie was up the house, and they was talking about the, how that uh, Albie went out in the daytime. She was afraid even in the daytime, in the daylight. I'm, I'm not as scared in the daylight as I am in the dark, but she was even scared in the daylight. And Dusty caught her on camera walking out the door looking. Both ways up and down the street. I wish we had it for the screen. No, I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't do that to Albie. We love Albie. <laughs> you never know nowadays. We love Albie and Dusty dearly, and uh, them over there sharing with our kids. And we're so happy that they've had a, a meeting last week and getting Children's Church fired back up because that's the most important aspect of our church, I believe, over there, uh, sitting in those rooms learning about Jesus today. And I thank God for Dusty and Albie. And I thank God for the teachers that stayed here last week to say, I'll, I'll step in and I'll help so that Dusty now we can come over and sit in a church service and somebody else can be over there with the kids. You can teach them. Uh, uh, it's awesome opportunity uh, to anybody that's interested in that. Make sure and get with Dusty now. They can always uh, uh, welcome more teachers and people to teach the kids. It's an awesome thing to do. You will not be let down. So as each week we're going through this and I have us closing our eyes from time to time and imagine ourselves and we've got the candles lit up around the room and we're sitting here with a few lights on for sure so that the camera will work and those things. Uh, but it's primal in how we're sitting here. And I, I ask you as you're reading your book uh, to do it by a candlelight and, and uh, sure my neighbor over here, she, she done it with a candlelight on her cell phone and had the candle shining on her book. That'll work too, amen. I, I laid down by my fireplace and had the, had the propane burning. I, that's probably not very primitive, but that's okay. It worked, amen. I had some flickering going on. So uh, uh, do that if you can, if your eyesight will allow you to do that, uh, just to take it in and create a dip different atmosphere uh, where you sit back and say, God, show me some things. And uh, in doing that, I believe we need to be primal and we're trying to set the stage for this so that we can truly uh, take a step backwards and study history so that we can understand the church uh, that Jesus implemented and that Jesus left in charge to occupy till he comes. That's what Jesus told his disciples as he was leaving this world. He said, occupy till I come. And that word occupy means do business, do the business of that the church has got action steps that we should be following, and we got business to tend to. And that business is go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations. Amen? That's our job is to be missionaries here locally, in our town, in your little community that you're a part of, on your workplace. It, it's being a missionary everywhere and to all people that God wants to see come into his kingdom. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. He loves the world. He can put a missionary and sit them down in the center of Iraq, and we think, oh, Lord, that's a Muslim nation. They can't ever come to know Jesus, and they're so caught up in their ways, and they'll never know and understand anything. But guess what? When a missionary lands on the ground over there and they begin to show the love of Jesus, Amen. It'll change things, and that's what I'm talking about here in our world, too, because we're living in a culture today here in America that's not a very loving culture. It's not a very accepting culture, that we don't accept somebody that's from a different uh, uh, political party than us. We don't accept people from a different denomination from us. We don't accept people from a, that's come across the border and are here working, and we don't accept anybody for anything because we're so caught up in me, 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 my, 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 and I, I, I. 
it's causing the destruction of our nation. And I might be stepping on your toes. Guess what? I'm not going to apologize for it. Amen. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm happy to stomp all over your feet today because I think we need a little of it. And I'm not doing it in a mean way. I'm trying to be as gracious as I can. God loves you. He gave his son for you so that you didn't stay the same mean, evil, vile person that you once were. He is transforming you day by day. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. I wake up, amen, and the mercy of God is all over my life. Amen. That I don't have to face the same battles every day. Why? Because God is changing me from the inside out. It's renewing myself day by day by day. You should be becoming better because that's what God wants. So we've talked about, and I had you thinking about the first week about Jesus creating this dialogue and this synergy and, and he brought his uh, disciples and they went into these synagogues that every town that he would go into he would, he would bring, go into a synagogue and he would teach the principles and the things of the Old Testament because he was still living in that generation and, and the timeline of, 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 of Jewish faith that he was a part of he was a Jewish person and he would go into the synagogues because it was required of him as a Jewish person to do that so Jesus, and I try to get us to close our mind and think about these candle uh, lit up around here and some old school ways of, of doing life and those little bitty uh, mud huts, if you want to call them that, and they had a few rocks uh, placed up and they made these little places called synagogues all over the nation of Israel that people, that the Jewish people would go into. And as this happened, we, 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 I wanted you to hear and feel and sense that the voice of Jesus teaching and what that would be like and how that we could think about that thing about Jesus himself speaking to us. And if we were one of those disciples, I, I believe we would be so intently listening to everything he was saying. Jesus is still speaking today. His voice is not done away with. The Bible says this word is forever established, amen, that this, bar, this word will not be done away with. It'll go after hell uh, freezes over and after the earth is diminished and after everything is done and we go into a new heaven and a new earth. Guess what? This word is forever established in heaven. This is not going to be done away with. It's still here. It's his voice speaking to us today. So, and then last week I had you to close your eyes and think about those disciples as they were uh, living in fear and living in anxiety and living with uh, all these uh, oppressive things of the government doing things to them and how that they were in these rooms and they were in these people's homes that they were a part of and, and they were thinking about and, and living uh, their life through fear. But I talked about how that Jesus showed up after his death, burial, and resurrection. He was raised from the dead. How many believes that? I said, how many believes that? Jesus is no longer in the grave. You can go over to Jerusalem today and you'll see that tomb out there where they buried him. And it says, it's got a plaque on the wall. It says, he is not here for he is risen. Jesus, the son of God, is not laying in a tomb somewhere. The God that we serve is not dead. He's alive. Amen. And he's forever uh, entitled to all the power of glory because God said, I give him power and dominion over all these things. And I'm so grateful for that. 
And I wanted you to feel that, that in despair, in the moment, like those disciples that they had saw their Messiah leave this world and they saw him speared and they saw him die an agonizing death on a cross, that they were there and how much fear would have set in on them. But they didn't stay in that because Jesus showed back up. Amen. He didn't leave them there to do that by themselves. He doesn't leave you in your depression. Jesus is there with you. He's coming to show you what he can do. So Jesus was there with those disciples that day. And I believe it is as real as anything. And he wanted to show them in such a way that he even took some fish and ate it just to prove to them, I'm alive. I'm not a ghost. I'm not something just far away and some imaginary thing that your mind's playing tricks on you. He's real. He's alive. So as this is happening, I want us to think about this. In Jesus' last words in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, he tells his disciples, tarry in Jerusalem. He stays with them about 40 days, it says in Acts, that about 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus, in the flesh, walking around, Talking to his disciples, meeting them in homes, meeting two guys, disciples walking along the path down the road. He, he was, met a lot of people, and he was seen by hundreds, it says in Scripture, that seen him resurrected. I think too many Christians leave him hanging on a cross. That's the defeated one. Roman Empire put him to death because of what they wanted to do. Humans put people to death because it's what they want to do. But Jesus isn't hanging on that cross any longer. He's resurrected. That's power. Amen? It takes the power of God to bring life to dead things. And as we're born dead in our sins, amen, only God can bring us back to life spiritually. Only God. And the same power, it says in the the New Testament, this this very same power that brought Jesus from the dead now resides in you as a believer. The same power. It don't say a different kind or a little bit or a portion of or just a little teeny tiny little bit of it. It says this same power that rose Jesus from the dead now abides in you as a believer. How good is that? We're sitting here as Christians, aren't we? You're a believer in Jesus Christ. We're a Christian now, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we just told you that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you as a believer. That's amazing. If it can bring dead things to life, what can it do inside of you? First things you gave up on, you said, I don't know, and I haven't seen that accomplished, and, and God gave me a vision, and God gave me a dream, and I haven't sought to come to pass, and you just allow to die, and you say, no, that just ain't never going to happen again. I'll just, I'm just going to go on through life. Not, we're not very patient. Amen? As humans, not humane, but humans, we're not very patient, especially with God. Amen? So if Jesus is walking around talking to his disciples for 40 days, 
He's, he's gone all over the nation of Israel, and he's, he's seen them in Galilee. He's in Jerusalem. He's in all these different places, and he tells them, you know, tarry in Jerusalem. Right when he leaves, he ascends and goes up into heaven, and he tells them, tarry in Jerusalem. He's seen of them 40 days. And whenever he tells them to stay in Jerusalem, 500 people seen this. It says in, in there that 500 people saw this, resurrected Jesus. He tells them, tarry in Jerusalem. Everybody say, tarry. That means be patient. That means hurry up and wait. Come on, impatient society. We can't sit in McDonald's drive-thru down here for three minutes without getting on Facebook. And I can't believe it's stupid McDonald's down here. Look at all these people. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-oh. Jesus tells Christians, be a little patient. Amen. Just take a chill pill, man. That's what he's saying. I think everybody in this room could take one of them. I'm not very patient. I'm not very patient with church folk. Amen. I'm not very patient with Leslie. I'm not very patient at all. God wants us to be patient. Terry, chill out, man. Take a deep breath. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. I think that's waiting. So he tells 500 people this, Terry in Jerusalem, till you be endued with power from on a high. This is after the Passover feast, and I, I can go into deep studies about all these things, about Judaism, and talk about all this stuff, but I want to keep it as plain and simple as I can. He tells them, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and when you do, you're going to see the power of God turn you and your life upside down, and you're going to be a person that you never dreamed possible. Amen. You're going to see the impossible become possible because God is getting ready to do something in you That'll change the world that you're living in. He tells 500 people this. This is 40 days after he resurrected. See, most people think Jesus was dead, buried, raised again. Next thing you know, just automatically goes up into heaven. No, he stayed here 40 days making sure everybody knew. Amen? So he tells them this, 500 people. Everybody say 500. I'd like to have a church of 500 here, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to see 500 in Lewis County and sitting in a, underneath a roof together with synergy and dialogue and no fear and no anxiety and no depression and, and people that just got so much going on with the things of God and studying the Word of God and just living the Word of God and breathing the Word of God and seeing miracles and see all these things that can happen. What, what if? Amen? 500 people. And Jesus himself tells them, be patient, folk. Wait. We don't like that very much. Can't sit in McDonald's line, and we're so aggravated by it that we won't go through there, so we just go home, and I'll show them. I'll get me a TV dinner, and I'll go to the house, and I'll put it in a microwave in 35 seconds. Who knows what in the world that thing's doing. I'm not a scientist, but it just don't seem healthy. Amen? <laughs> when you cook old, old school, and then all of a sudden it's so hot in 35 seconds. How in the world does that happen? It's a miracle. 
Amen. Yeah, but McDonald's a lot healthier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Go to Subway. <laughs> they need to like sponsor the church or something. Don't they? We're naming all these things, and it's going out here in people's list of today. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Like today's church, waiting on God. In that first century church that we're studying, wasn't very popular. So I can tell you this, that humans haven't changed much. Sinners haven't changed much. We think the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and we think it's just worse than it's ever been, and we got all these thoughts of what we think, and this is my opinion, and I think this, and I think that, and yeah, okay, that's the way it is. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. It's always been bad. It's always been getting worse. There we go thing is, what are we going to do with that? We're just going to live in the fear of, oh my, it's getting bad. Oh my, control, I'm losing control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what we are as a church. As, as humans, we aren't very patient. And I, I put this down, I just said it, but we don't want to give up control to do things our way. God's way is always better. There's two people in the front row saying amen. I said God's way is always better. I want you to look up to heaven right now. And we don't know if that's up, down. We don't know where that's at. Because I think if you're here in America and you're pointing up and heaven's up there somewhere. And then if you're down there in China, you'll be pointing the exact opposite direction. So I, I don't know where heaven is, but somewhere. I mean, look one direction or another. I don't know where it's at, but it's okay, right? Just look somewhere and say, say this with me. Say, say I, will wait I will wait on you, God. Did you mean it? All right, let's make it a prayer now. We don't have to go into this, oh, you know, meditation mode. But just say, I will wait on you, God. That's a promise. You just made him a promise. You made a covenant with him. You made a pact with him. You signed a contract with him. And guess what? Whenever you did that, he's going to hold you to it. I'm going to wait on you, God. I love it in Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 40. I love this verse, and I, I, I thought I could quote it, and I didn't want for sure if I could or not when I get up here and get to doing this. I, I wanted to make sure I put it in my notes here. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When you wait, you're getting stronger. Amen. How many need some strength? How many need your knees to not be weak any longer? Amen. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I want to get stronger in my faith. Amen. I want to get stronger in my religion. I want to get stronger with my ways of looking at the world that I'm living in. They shall mount with wings as eagles. And I'm telling you, I think that verse means whenever it says that, that they shall mount up with wings as eagles, that it allows you to see the world from God's viewpoint. When you wait and think about this thing called life and you get strength, you can fly to places and you can see things that you can't normally see. When you muddle down here in your control world where that you're doing everything the way you want to do it, and I'm going to, I want to do this and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to, Jesus said, don't do that. Take no thought for tomorrow. Our Heavenly Father cares about the sparrow out there. He cares that much more about you. And if we wait, we're going to see things from God's viewpoint. Mount up with wings as eagles. 
and they shall run and not be weary, and they'll walk and not faint. So this church that Jesus shows up to for 40 days and he tells them 500 people, that's not a lot of people in all the world's population, but he had 500 that was there to listen. And he told them to wait. Tarry in Jerusalem till I endue you with power from on high. They didn't do it. They was tired of waiting. So you go and read in Acts, the book of Acts, and Luke is the writer of Acts too. So if you read the Gospel of Luke, you can stop at the last chapter in Luke and then just start right over in the Gospel of or the uh, Acts of the Apostles. And when you do that, you're reading a whole story. Those two books are actually one story written by one author. They're broke up and they're named two different things, but that's one and the same. So when you read Luke and you stop, don't take off in the mark. Flip on over to Acts. The story will keep on going. Everybody say, that makes sense. I'd like to prefer the Bible to make sense for once, wouldn't you? How he reads it and thinks, what did I just read? What was that? Uh, I don't know. Got to do it the right way. So as I think about that, that Jesus told him to wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you've been doing with the power on high, and he's there 40 days. He tells him to tarry. He ascends into heaven. They watch this happen. And uh, this was Passover, and next feast is Pentecost. Pentecost, everybody say that. Pentecost. Pentecost is a Jewish, a Jewish holy day, what we call holidays. It's a holy day, right? These are holy days in God's calendar that the whole Jewish religion revolves and is, it's just how God operates a calendar is by Jewish feast. And he tells them to tarry and wait. So they're there and 500 of them. Ten days later, Ten days later, there's only 120. Everybody say that sounds like a that sounds like a reduction. <laughs> you go from 500 yep. down to 120. Woo! 380 people gone. Where'd they go? They couldn't wait. They couldn't do what he told them to do. It's like, now nah, I'll just do it my way, Jesus. I'm going to do life. I'm good at this. I've mastered this. I've, I've created such a nice life for myself. It's just perfect, and everything's uh, just in harmony, and nothing's wrong, and I just had the perfect life before I met you, Jesus, so I'm just going to go back to doing that. How many of you can say that? Absolutely not. My life was hell before I met Jesus. Amen? I made my life a teetotal disaster. It was everything but what it was supposed to be. I, I've done everything wrong that you could possibly do. I really believe that. I was, I was, I was a good sinner. <laughs> Amen. I was a real good sinner. I, I mastered it. I mean, I, I, the art of mastering sinnership, I was really good. It's a wonder they didn't give me a big credential and say, like the best sinner ever. <laughs> that's what Apostle Paul said. I'm the chief among sinners. That's Paul the Apostle. He said, I'm the chief among sinners. Wow, that's a good degree to have and certificate, like bragging. Yeah, whoo, look at this. Sinner, yeah. Jesus fixed my life. He didn't mess it up. Amen. Amen? He transformed my life into what he wanted. And whatever allowed him to do that, it's amazing what he has done. 
as I look back now, and that was in 1999, whenever I nailed at an altar of prayer and I gave my life to Jesus, and within 20 minutes called Mary on my uh, truck ride home, and I called Mary and said, look, Mary, I just gave my life to Jesus. She started crying. Woo, yeah, glory to God. I've been praying for you, Ben. Amen. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> then I called Mom. Then it's just awesome to go through that. Go to work the next day, and there's people that I'd worked with that had been Christian the week before, and they, they didn't like my potty mouth and all that stuff. And go in the next day, and I went to church that weekend where I went to work on Monday. Go back in, and I go to those two guys, and one of them was a preacher, and I said, Man, I got saved this weekend. He said, Yes, we got another one on the team, Jesus, here. Amen. How exciting is that to know that Jesus just saved this little cussing, foul-mouthed, pitiful human and transformed him into this glorious thing that God wants to design and build and mold and make a preacher someday. I had no idea what God was going to do through me. But guess what? He took an old sinner and put him on a pathway to citizenship in heaven. Amen. And I'm no longer this world. I'm part of that world. Amen. And I'm looking for heaven. It's going to be my home. Why? Because I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm no longer in control and I'm patient today whenever he tells me to wait I want to wait 120 people was living that I'll just wait on you Jesus I'll wait I wish I could read all this but here we are out of time like every week how does this happen I write down notes and there's notes and notes and notes in my thing here and I get halfway through every week I think I'm too long winded According to Leslie, she says amen every week, especially when she's editing it and trying to get it ready to put on, you know, the broadcast and all that. It's like, wow, Ben, you're talking too long. Some people say, you know, you can only preach as long as the seat will endure for the people. So if, you're, if your rear side's getting tired and you go to get your, if your butt gets numb, you know what I'm saying. You Probably like, pastor, it's time to shut her down. Whew, bring this thing to her landing, right? Wrap it up. I can't, sorry. Uh, Romans 8, 35 through 39. I want to read this verse for sure. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean we no longer that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? <laughs> As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. This is Paul the Apostle writing this to the Roman church. No, he says. So the answer to that is, is there anything can separate us from the love of God? Is anything capable of separating us from the love of God? And Paul goes on and he answers that a good, swift, sharp no. You will not be separated from the love of God. I believe that because Paul says it. No, the answer is no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. A revelation has hit me today that the love of God sustains me. 
The love of God causes me to wait when I don't want to. The love of God. The, I cherish Him. Jodan said this past week on the Zoom call when we was in the Bible study and was talking, and, and, and she was talking about how that, you know, when you come to church, you don't want to just hear it in words only, but you want to feel it. Amen. When I come to church, I don't just want to come and be taught a bunch of words and, and just go out of here and not feel anything. I want us to come in and where we sing like Leslie talked about when she opened service today, that we should really truly worship God. And whenever we worship Him, in spirit and in truth, He shows up in greater ways. He's always there. He'll never leave you for, nor forsake you. But there's times whenever you give things to Him and you worship Him and you praise Him, He shows up. And when we come to church, I don't want us walking out of here thinking, well, I didn't know if I met God today or not. I hope and pray when we come to church that we walk out here and say, man, I felt that today. Amen. There was a resounding something on the inside of me, and my spirit, man, was renewed day by day. Why? Because I heard the word of God, and I knew it was true, and it reasoned with me, and there's some things I'm facing that I'm going to be able to walk out of this place today and say, no, not today, devil. Amen. I'm going to go this week, and I ain't going to do what I did last week. I'm being transformed. Why? Because the power of God is inside of me. I'm nowhere near done. I'm nowhere near done. Because I believe in synergy. I believe in this dialogue. I believe in these things that I'm saying to you. And I'm not just preaching these words as not being living. This is the living word of God. Amen. It brings life to dead bones. God told the, the prophet, look out in that valley. What do you see? I see dry bones. When we look out at society, what do we see? We see dead men. We see dry bones. We see people that doesn't experience what you've experienced in this house today. And God tells that prophet, he says, speak. Speak unto those dry bones. Amen. Speak. And if there's anything the church needs to be doing today, it is speaking. Amen. Speaking this word over your life. Speaking this word over your community. Speaking this word over your nation. We need to quit regurgitating Fox News or CNN or all these other things and the talking points that we got from this or from that. If we begin to speak this word, it's transforming. It's powerful. It will change societies. I promise you this. And we will be known as a humane people. Because when we speak this and it tells us to love our neighbors and it tells us to love our enemies... I'm telling you, it'll change the people that you don't like very much. But a synergy needs to happen. Ten days later, after this 40 days point, after past, or, uh, Jesus was killed on a cross, 40 days later, he ascends into heaven, and he looks down in Acts chapter 1, and he tells his disciples, I'm going up here now, but guess what? Hang out down there, folks. 500 of you, just, just chill out a little bit. Take a break. Tells them, stay there. These 500 diminishes down to 120, and there's 120 of them in an the upper room, and they're praying. Jesus told society, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Church, we need to be praying. It is a time to pray. And they stayed in that room, and the next thing you know, and the prayer meeting turned from 500 down to 120. 
but the 120 was still there. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. 120 of them there hanging out, and can you imagine that prayer meeting? Whoo! I'm talking about truly people praying, not just coming and sleeping for a while, but praying. Amen? Praying. And they was praying. And they was praying. And if God had a church of 120, guess what he could do? He could turn a city upside down. Amen? If we could get all of us in this room right now just to go to the Lord in prayer here in a few minutes and, and pray for just a little season. I know we got uh, uh, dinners to go to, and I, I know we got uh, maybe a, a meatloaf in the oven right now, and I know all these things and all that's going on with your mind right now. Well, I don't know if I can wait, God. I don't know if I can tarry there for a little bit or not. But if we could just pray, amen? What if we would walk out of this place with the power that's present in Acts chapter 2? A bunch of people that was afraid they stayed there 10 more days and that morning where they showed up in Acts chapter 2 and while they were in the upper room and they were gathered together and they were still praying 10 days after Jesus told them to tarry and wait and they there and next thing you know it says the Holy Spirit descended upon them there was cloven tongues of fire upon each of their head and whenever they was there and they seen all these things they become empowered. Now the people that scared and locked up in a room scared to go out in society because of being persecuted and being killed like their master and their Lord was now the next thing you know, it says Peter, standing up with the eleven, declares, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. This is God. And it says they were dumbfounded because each of them, and because of the Pentecost and the thing, the, the feast they were there to, all the, all the nation of Israel, they would come to Jerusalem because it was their center hub during these special times, these holy days, and they showed up, and they're there. And all these people, and there's 120 out of them that's been there for 10 days praying. What would happen if we would pray for the next 10 days and wait on God and see what he does? And they go out in that street, and Peter, it says he stood up with the 11. A lot of people give Peter all the credit for preaching his first sermon. The first sermon ever in church history. He preaches a sermon, 3,000 people get saved with one sermon. Because 120 remain faithful because 120 kept praying because 120 remained steadfast unmovable unshakable always abounding in the work of truth and the whole community all these people come from all these regions of the earth and it names them off in Acts chapter 2 and it said they all heard in their own language and it was a miracle Whenever God's power awakens something on the inside of you, I promise you right now, miracles happen. Miracles happen. And that's what we need in the church we're living in today. We can go into that, and I, I could go on forever and talk about the doctrine of baptisms, and I could talk about the doctrine of laying on hands. It says it in Hebrews chapter 6, and I, I can go into deep studies about all these things I'm talking about that happens in Acts chapter 2, but right now, I just want us to be primal. I want us to think like they was thinking. I want us to act like they were acting. Living primal is living more simplistic. Living primal is living in faith that the word of God is all the truth I need to know. Living primal is spreading the good news that Jesus is the king of heaven and earth. Living primal is very simply just being the humane race. I want you to bow your head, if you will. Close your eyes. 
God, I pray right now that you would just empower the people in this room. If they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, that if maybe they've abandoned you, maybe they knew you at one point in time and they've walked away and they've been too far and too long without you. And they've been doing life their own way. But God, they're in this room today and God, you're drawing them and your Holy Spirit is here wooing them. And you're asking them, come home. Come home. Come home. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, I want you to pray with me. I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I've never given him my life. And today is the day that I want him. I want to accept him to be my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody that's ever walked away from him, and maybe you don't, you've known him before, and you know in this room today that if you were to die, at this point in time that you're going to split hell wide open and you're sitting here saying, man, I don't want to go there. I want to live in eternity forever with Jesus and I want to come back home, God. Renew the right spirit within me, oh God. I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray with me. If you want to renew your faith and your trust with Him, is there any of you here that say, that's me? That's me. Be Lord of my life. Everybody here, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my faults, for my failures. I'm a sinner. I need saved by your grace. I accept the blood of Jesus to be placed over my life. It allows him to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to live in heaven forever in eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, and those of you raised your hand, I'm so proud of you. God is proud of you. And God wants you to do his exploits in this world, and he's telling you to wait. This week, wait on God. Give up on your own opinion. Give up on your own ways. Let's just wait on Him. I want us all to take our pledge for the Primal Series again. The Humane Race, we're taking a pledge here. Everybody say, I pledge to talk civilized with people I don't like. I pledge to work together with others to bring about a reformation of our church. I pledge to be part of the humane race. I pledge to be primal. Amen. Love God, love people. Be a blessing to somebody this week. Make sure and join in on one of the connection groups any way you can, either by a virtual or uh, meeting together in the connection groups in people's homes. Uh, love God, love people. Be a blessing this week to somebody. Amen.